football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. Here we are on the program just days before the Super Bowl. We're all about the underdog. Do we dare glance the way of the Kansas City Chiefs as a slight underdog in Super Bowl 57? We're about to find out. We're about to talk all about it. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I've enlisted some help from all over, not just the U.S., but we're even going to go like uh, across the border and get some help here in just a second. Stand by for that in a moment or two. Thank you for finding us. We will talk some Super Bowl and put the NFL to bed. College football already put to bed with another Georgia championship. Now the NFL will be done when Philadelphia and Kansas City are done Sunday night, long about 10 Eastern time, 1030 Eastern time, give or take. Uh, We're anxious to talk about the end of the football season, but this show is not going anywhere with college basketball. Love the college hoops. We're going to have this show on all through the rest of this month, all the way through to the best month of the year, I think, March and the NCAA tournament. So tons of college hoops from here on out, including on this Three Dog Thursday podcast. We love the underdogs. We'll look at some Thursday games. We don't ever have lines for the Saturday games, but we may glance ahead to a game or two on Saturday. I want to tell you that later on in the program, I have a literal rocket scientist, a nuclear engineer friend of mine who's a humongous sports fan, NFL and sports better. Joe Lisi will be with me. Lisi from the Philadelphia Eagle area, the Philadelphia area and an Eagles fan. And Lisi loves all of these different angles and props. And he's got formulas and half the stuff I don't think most of us would understand, but it's really fun stuff. And he's got some things like the odds on the same team to score three times in a row, not counting extra points. And what are those odds? And how often does it hit, by the way? And how often does a Super Bowl go where neither team scores from the one-yard line? This is the kind of stuff that Lisey's researching. There's a prop on whether a team anytime in the game is going to score from the one-yard line, and he's got stats and info on how often that hits in the previous 56 Super Bowls. So I'm anxious to talk with Joe later in the show, but without further delay. By the way, make sure you're following, subscribing to Three Dog Thursday, to the audio podcast here. I know we've been on BetUS TV. This is the audio podcast from here on out of Three Dog Thursday. Follow and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. We love talking underdogs, and I love doing it with this man. Speaking of BetUS, I had a great time with him whenever he's been on BetUS. You find him on Pub Sports Radio as well, talking college of basketball in the NBA, the ice guys talking NHL handicapping. Hello, Ian Cameron Bobano. It is good to have you on three dog Thursday. My friend, good to talk to you. Hello, old friend, TJ Reeves. It is good to be back with you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well with this Super Bowl looming. We got to talk about that. We got to talk a little bit about some college hoops. I guess the first thing, just having fun. You're in Canada. This is not the Grey Cup. I'm not trying to be provincial here. I know you care. But do a lot of Canadians get into the Super Bowl just in general? Uh, I, I just I wonder with that, is there some Canadian audience? Is there some interest in your handicapping and others handicapping in Canada for this game? Hell yeah. That would be the Go answer on. to that, TJ. Um, 
look, uh, the NFL is big in this country. I think that's what, what might, you know, some people south of the border may not get it in terms of just how popular the NFL is and continues to be. And of course, here in my province in Ontario, they rolled out regulated sports betting early in 2022. So you've got every friend of mine just asking, hey, Ian, what prop do you like the most? in Chiefs Eagles this Sunday. And of course they expect me to not only help them out, but provide them with a winning uh, piece of advice. So absolutely TJ, there's Super Bowl parties coast to coast jamming this country from Newfoundland to British Columbia. Uh, The big cities usually have big Super Bowl events going on. No, the NFL is a big deal uh, in Canada. And I'd be shocked if Canada isn't right up there as the country that had where the NFL is most popular outside of the United States. It's a good point that you make. And, you know, we should point out the Buffalo Bills have played some home games in Toronto. I do know from friends, acquaintances, media members, uh, et cetera, in Seattle, that there's a big contingent of Seahawks fans in Western Canada. And a lot of times some of them uh, make their way to Seahawks games where it's been hard to get tickets, especially like Vancouver, et cetera, proximity. They come and watch the Seahawks. So I just wondered, I just wondered, and it, is, it has become a global game. I mean, they watch it in Europe. They watch it in Mexico, like we've talked about before. They even watch it in Australia, in New Zealand, and, and elsewhere. The NFL has become uh, global. All right, let's roll the sleeves up. Eagles and Chiefs, um, give me a couple of things you like here. And we're going to talk about the Chiefs being the underdog in a moment. But what jumped out immediately over the course of the last week and a half or so as we head to Sunday for a prop for a side, a total, something that jumped out to Ian Cameron. Go. Okay, so I keep coming back to the Eagles in this game, emerging victorious, and it's tough because if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you're getting more, you know, I think uh, excited as the week goes on that your injury report's looking a whole lot better. You know, that was a team that was really, really banged up at the end of that AFC championship victory against Cincinnati. You're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and Nicole Hardman, multiple receivers injured. Legereus Sneed, by far the number one cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, that could not finish that game. Patrick Mahomes and his ankle. What was that going to be going into the Super Bowl? Well, in all facets, it's looking good for all those players mentioned. And Andy Reid just came out saying Big Red uh, earlier today or yesterday, Patrick Mahomes is going to be as close to 100% as you could want uh, for this game. So that's a big factor and a plus for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But I think at the uh, quarterback spot, you have to give Mahomes an edge over Jalen Hurts, even though he's had a terrific season. But I think if you look at the rosters, TJ, in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. I think I like the Eagles on both sides in the trenches than Kansas City. I think Kansas City with obviously Frank Clark and company, they can get a pass rush. I think that's going to be negated by Philadelphia's offensive line, which has been absolutely terrific this season. In talking to people in Philadelphia, Philadelphia media, et cetera, this is not just hype and hyperbole. They keep saying, you look at the Eagles offensive line and how physical they are and how they've run the ball on everybody. That yep. the Chiefs are not, I mean, the Chiefs are, are not going to have seen a powerful offensive line with that, uh, with that kind of offensive line that can push them around probably all season long. Now, obviously, Kansas City fan might counter that, but the belief is Philadelphia is going to run it right at them. And I kind of sense you believe the same thing physical up front. Physical up front, exactly. And contrast the matchup here with what they just faced, Kansas City. A Cincinnati O line with three starters out Jonah Williams, uh, you know, Kappa. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and of course, they lost uh, earlier in the season, Lyle Collins, the right tackle, who had been torn ACL. So you're talking about three starters on the O-line that were down for the Bengals. Now, that O-line was remarkably excellent. And no, I couldn't believe how good they were against Buffalo. But clearly against Kansas City, it was a different story. So I think that matchup with the O-line of Philadelphia, it'll work against uh, Kansas City's defensive front. And then contrast that with the defensive line of the Eagles. That was a pass rushing machine uh, against San Francisco. You know, they made Brock Purdy's life miserable. They got him hurt is essentially what happened with the elbow injury. They knocked Josh Johnson uh, out of the game in the second half. They got after it, and there's still some question marks, I think, with the Chiefs of whether they can block and protect for four quarters. Mahomes is closing in on being close to 100% health, if we're to believe what Andy Reid's saying. That's good. He may need his mobility here facing that Philadelphia Eagles defensive front. So I think football is won and lost in the trenches, and I think Philadelphia's got the advantage. I also like that secondary a little bit more than Kansas City's. It's very young. A lot of rookies, a lot of youth in that Chiefs secondary, whereas you look at what Philadelphia can throw at you. I thought Bradbury, who they got in the offseason, has been good. It's been a great season for Darius Slay uh, as well. That is a veteran group. That's a group that's played well all season, and, and I think they'll be able to have the edge there. So I think that the thing that scares you if you're back in the Eagles is Patrick Mahomes' ability to win games and make plays just because he can make that spectacular play that even the best defense can't stop. But I think if you grade out the rosters, grade out the personnel, position by position, I've got to, I've got to side a little bit with the Eagles here in this football game. Love Ian Cameron's insight. Follow him at Bobano. I love him uh, for the insight that he always gives, including, again, Pub Sports Radio, P-U-B, Pub Sports Radio. You can find him there. You can find him on the Ice Guys talking NHL. Ian and I may have to talk off the air. What's up with my Tampa Bay Lightning? Have they been made aware that the All-Star break is over with the first two games the Lightning have played? But that's something for another show, maybe not for Three Dog Thursday. Uh, But they got beat 7-1 to on the night after the All-Star game by... By the Panthers. You tell them it's okay to win on the road every now and then, by the way. But I mean, they were doing well before they took a week off. The whole NHL took a week off for the All-Star game. And the Lightning apparently were under the impression that the All-Star break was continuing until this weekend, even though they had games to play. But nonetheless, uh, find him on the Ice Guys on that podcast daily, talking about NHL, talking about hockey. Another point about this game, how valid is this? How valid is the concern? that you have a small sample size for Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts of three total playoff games. They played my Buccaneers a year ago in the wild card round and got wiped out. Uh, the game was 31-0 in the second half. They scored a, a couple of touchdowns in the second half to make it look better. Wasn't close. They now come back around in next year, and they've won. The, they, they were tremendous in the regular season. They've won two playoff games, and both of them easily, both of them big without the game being close in the fourth quarter. Is it a concern, veteran Super Bowl coach and Andy Reid, veteran Super Bowl quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, that if this game is in the fourth quarter and it's close, the Eagles don't really have experience with their coaching staff or their quarterback? How much is that a factor, Ian Cameron? That is a factor. It is a point that's beneficial to the Chiefs. If this game's close, we saw the Chiefs have to work to beat Jacksonville have to pull out a close game with the game-winning field goal, last play of the game, Harrison Butker to beat the Bengals, both kind of down to the wire. Games where the the, the end result was still up in the air in the fourth quarter. 
Meanwhile, what did we see for Philadelphia in their two playoff wins? Steamroll jobs over the Giants and the 49ers. No sweat, no angst, no tough coaching decisions, no big fourth down decisions on A, do we go for it, and B, what call do, what play do we call uh, on in a big fourth down situation. We saw none of that for Philly. They didn't have to do anything. They were rolling in both games up big in the fourth quarter against the Giants and the Niners. So there is that element of, End game, close game, situational football. Kansas City's been there, executed, with the pressure's been the greatest, when the lights have been the brightest, and Philadelphia's been basically on easy street in their two NFC playoff victories. If they're in a tight game late, will they be able to handle it? Will they be able to execute under the crunch time pressure? Yep. Well, we'll find out on that. Again, Ian Cameron with me. We're going to talk some college basketball in a couple of moments. It's Three Dog Thursday. So, again, I kind of lean towards the Chiefs and the Super Bowl experience. Again, it's only a one or a one-and-a-half point line in uh, in this one, and all the question marks about Mahomes' ankle are kind of being – of course, what do you expect the Chiefs to say? Of course, they're going to say, we believe he's healthy. The real story – and I keep uh, alluding to this, is what does he look like in the second half when the painkiller and the happy juice is worn off? And you, you saw that second half against the Bengals. He was having trouble planting, running. He gutted it out on the run at the end where he got hit out of bounds. But what does he look like in the second half of this game? That remains to be seen. All right, any interest in any kind of a prop that you're leaning one way or the other hurts rushing yards. For example, Kelsey catches the Super Bowl 10 years ago or two years ago. I think uh, Travis Kelsey working that game for Buccaneers radio had about 17 or 27 or 39 catches in that game. Any props interest you for this Super Bowl? Maybe one or two Ian Cameron, anything I'm interested in Philadelphia rushing props. But if you're going to go in that direction, here's what you look for. Some books do have this. You can get team Philadelphia, not player props, team rushing props for Philadelphia as a team mm-hmm. over rushing yards and over rushing attempts. Uh, I, I I know there'll be so, some books that have it. I'm still looking, but if we see something like that, I would prefer that because it's really, you're guessing who's going to get the lion's share of the carries. If you're Philadelphia, Jalen hurts can run the football himself from the quarterback position. You've got miles Sanders. You've got Kenneth Gainwell. Mm-hmm. You've got Boston Scott. These are all players that Nick Sirianni will use in the run game. So to say, oh, I expect Sanders to get most of the reps. I expect Gainwell to get most of the reps. You really never know one game to the next. Gainwell had a breakout game, but sometimes in a big game like the Super Bowl, and when you have a player that's coming off a big game like Gainwell in the NFC Championship game, you kind of want to go in another direction in the Super Bowl. Maybe throw the opposing defense off balance a little bit. So I think Philadelphia will run the ball a lot, especially with the wonky shoulder still. And Jalen Hurts said, you know, he doesn't know if the shoulder is going to be at its absolute best for this football game. I think they will look to run the ball, but rather than trying to guess which player is going to get most of the carries, you look at a Philadelphia Eagles you know, team prop of some kind, over rushing attempts, over rushing yards. That way you don't have to worry about who's actually going to get the football and run it uh, for the Eagles. I'll give you one that I have absolutely locked in. And because this is an underdog centric show, yes, yes. we're going to look for some plus prices. And I think Dallas Goddard is one of my favorite receiving option props for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's going to be the middle of the field that is going to be there. If you look at the Chiefs defensive metrics, They struggle against number one receivers and they struggle against the tight end spot. The tight end position, they're a 16th ranked football team 
in the NFL this year against the tight end position. And Dallas Goddard certainly could uh, be someone that's able to take advantage of that. So rather than his current prop is like 49 and a half, TJ minus 110, but we're talking about an underdog show. We want to give you a plus price, don't we? Absolutely. So let's sweeten the pot a little bit and let's go with at FanDuel. You can find this Dallas Goddard, 60 plus receiving yards plus 138. Let's go with that because I think he's got a chance to get into the 60s and 70s in receiving yards. He'll be targeted early. He'll be targeted often. And I wonder because uh, Kelsey, again, had the big Super Bowl against the Bucs and did, and did well also in the uh, Super Bowl win over the 49ers. I just looked at this for the heck of it. Everybody looks at anytime touchdown stuff, whatever. Uh, Kelsey, anytime touchdown is minus 155. Not great value. But if you believe Travis Kelsey's going to catch a couple of them, which I'm not saying it's, you know, it's not, it's not more than likely. It may just be possible. That's plus 375 for Travis Kelsey to have two touchdowns at any time, two, two touchdowns, any way, shape, Top or form. around TJ plus 480 at FanDuel for that. Four, for 480 Kelsey. on that. How about that? So two touchdowns in the game for Kelsey. I might be interested in that. And I was looking for the prop and you may have it uh, before you on catches for him because I got to believe that's set somewhere at like six and a half. Am I right on Kelsey? If that's what it is, I don't know that I'd be inclined to play the over because Philadelphia may pick him up when he gets off the bus Sunday in Arizona, they might pick him up, but I would be interested in that with, uh, with a Travis Kelsey prop on catches in the game, just to keep an eye on him, but two touchdowns in the game might be, uh, might be worthwhile. Just looking at some of the different um, props here. For I'll the say game. this right now, just yep. him to get one touchdown, TJ. It is one of the bigger bets I've already placed on player props for this game. Minus 110, I was able to find just to get one touchdown. Travis yep. Kelsey's a marvel to me. Yep. It's not like opposing defenses and opposing defensive coordinators don't know that they're going to look to Travis Kelsey. But somehow, some way, this guy finds himself scrambling his way open getting into the soft spot in the zone coverage or beating man-to-man coverage down the field or just somehow a linebacker ends up covering this big guy down the field and it ends up being a mismatch. I don't know how he gets there to these mismatch situations, but they scheme well. I think you got to give Reed and the enemy a, yeah. a lot of credit for that. Uh, but somehow he gets open and the defense, even though they try to game plan to take him away, they're just incapable of doing it. And week in and week out, he's getting his six, seven receptions. He's getting his 90, 100 receiving yards. And almost every week, I think I've read a stat that for as far as touchdowns, Kelsey scored a touchdown in 11 of his last 14 playoff games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been almost automatic. So uh, just to get my, to, minus 110 even money for scoring just one touchdown in this game looked like an absolute bargain to me because to me that price should have been closer in the minus 160 range if you're talking 11 of 14 playoff games with a touchdown reception for Travis Kelsey. I see on our friends at BetUS on the BetUS line that he is uh it's seven and a half on the line minus 130 and that it's again half is, with juice and some books that's, and that's a, a half lot of catches yep. that's yep. a lot of catches in the game um, and he had seven I believe against Cincinnati Yep. All right. So it's right at that number. All right. So we'll see what happens with uh, with all of that coming on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I love Ian Cameron's insight for a lot of reasons. He's going to be with me for a few more moments to talk college basketball. We can't talk on Three Dog Thursday enough college basketball because this show becomes uh, predominantly college basketball from here on out. 
uh, all the way through March and all the way through the final four. All right. So we have some Thursday results at the time that we're, or some Wednesday results, excuse me, at the time that we're taping that could influence things for Saturday. But I want to look ahead to Thursday because the lines are already out. I, I know you have an underdog, maybe two that you're interested in. I, I Purdue off the loss to Indiana in a wild game Saturday, number one team in the country, one of the number one seeds in everybody's bracketology, right? They're laying nine. I see on the early line against Iowa for a Thursday night uh, in West Lafayette, Indiana. Any thought on how big that line is, Ian Cameron, in the Big Ten, Iowa and Purdue? Is that about where it should be? Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I mean, I know there's some uh, there, there's a couple of great resources I use for, uh, you know, in terms of power ratings and that. And as far as that game goes tomorrow with Iowa and uh, Purdue, uh, a couple places I know actually made the line a little higher. 11, 12, it's mm. 12 point Purdue minus 12. Bart Torvik's a great site. Uh, I endorse it fully for mm-hmm. stats. And it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal daily resource for me. Handicapping college bat. They've got Purdue minus 12. And I think situationally, you could argue this line could be higher because for Purdue, they're coming off the loss against the uh, Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, and it's amazing to me that uh, it shows you how great offensively Indiana was in that game because uh, they were scoring left and right. Zach Eady still got his points, still got his uh, rebounds. He is a handful in the uh, low post area, and he still had a solid game, and yet uh, still Indiana was able to get that victory. Iowa, to me, is just, again, and this whole conference, can anybody step up on the road and do something? Right. I mean, it has just been such a ridiculously uh, dominant home court conference, the, the Big Ten. It's really been that way for a few years, and, and that becomes the concern. I don't know how I was going to handle uh, Edie. I don't think they're capable of doing that. Certainly, you would expect Purdue to really play much better after suffering that loss uh, at Indiana. They've blown out Michigan State and Purdue. One and covered both of their recent home games prior to the loss at Indiana. Like I said, with Iowa, uh, there's still that defense is still an issue again with me, TJ. It was starting to look like Fran McCaffrey's group was starting to play better on the defensive end. Their defensive efficiency numbers looked solid earlier this season. And now all of a sudden we see them, you know, you give up 82 against Rutgers, even though you win. Uh, you give up 79 against uh, Illinois. You snuck out of there with the win. But uh, again, you're winning because you're outscoring teams. It's not necessarily going to work. And the one thing this Purdue team was really good was defensively prior to the Indiana game. So I think Matt Painter is really going to drill into his teams. Let's uh, get back to the way we're capable of guarding you know, at the defensive end of the basketball court. So normally in conference play, I'm not a fan of laying close to double digits. This might be one of those exceptions. If I'm playing this game, I'm laying the points. Interesting. Uh, Again, a three-game win streak for Iowa for what it's worth. Uh, All of those, as Ian was referring to, were at home. They lost their last two road games at Ohio State, who's awful right now in the Big Ten, and at Michigan State by a deuce. Let's see what it looks like Thursday night. Certainly Purdue will be fired up early in this game off the loss, you would think, at home in that matchup. All right, if that's not a tasty Iowa Hawkeye underdog, give me an Ian Cameron look-ahead Thursday night underdog for Three Dog Thursday for the audience. Give me one that you might like. This is one that falls into the uh, – there's a couple angles I like, and we're going to go to – uh, a conference that I know it's not going to excite everybody. We're going to some Sun Belt Fun Belt Love on it. a Thursday night. Uh, the Arkansas State Red Wolves and the Texas State Bobcats. A good friend of mine who you work with on the Bet US shows, Kyle Hunter, would love this game. 
this is right up his alley, one sure. of the smaller conference games. So Arkansas State, both of these teams have not had a very good season. They're both below 500. They've both struggled in Sunbelt play. Texas State is 1-6 straight up in their last seven conference games. Arkansas State was on a nine-game losing streak in the Sunbelt until this past weekend when they finally snapped the losing streak and they beat Coastal Carolina 73-57 as three-point underdogs. It was by far their best game in weeks. It's amazing how in sports where things aren't going right, you're losing every game, and then all of a sudden you get that win under your belt, and it really can propel you, and you can go on a bit of a run. And we're getting seven and a half points here with Arkansas State, you know, as a road underdog here at Texas State. It's a revenge spot for Arkansas State. They lost 61-58 at home against Texas State on January the 12th, but it was a competitive basketball game. Low scoring, I expect this one to be uh, as well. Neither team is great offensively. Uh, Arkansas State, prior to that win against Coastal, where they scored 73, they shot 22 of 50. It was a much better offensive showing from them. They had only scored 62-51-57 before that. A horrible, wretched offensive team. But Texas State's laying seven and a half here. As I mentioned, they've only won once in their last seven games. They haven't broken 64 points in their last three games. So you've got a team that's struggling to score, that's won once in their last seven games, laying a seven and a half point number Mm. against an Arkansas State team in revenge, catching points after losing. That's a great angle at this time of year, TJ. These conference games where the team lost the first meeting, They're an underdog in the rematch, seeking revenge. That is a long-term winning ATS angle at this time of year uh, in college basketball. So that has me on the Arkansas State Red Wolves plus seven and a half against Texas State. I, I love this, and for the reasons that you gave. And again, we say this kind of stuff all the time on Three Dog Thursday when we're doing these other shows like what you do on Pub Sports Radio. You are not saying that either one of these teams are a team that you would regularly back for any reason, much less be a contender to be in the NCAA tournament, but you analyze the spot, and this one smells you can smell it from Texas all the way in Canada on why is Texas State laying that many points. You are you are honing in on the spot, and I love that about you. So fantastic uh, on that one for the reasons you gave. I'm curious in another revenge situation with UAB and North Texas Thursday night, uh, this in Conference USA play, where North Texas won the earlier meeting in Birmingham. And I can't keep track of how often in and out of the lineup that Jordan Jelly Walker has been. I don't even know. I got to look, I guess, at the box score on whether he played in that first game. He's been been banged up with a bad ankle for about four weeks in and out of the lineup. Re-injured the ankle another time. All right, so we got revenge again, but this is North Texas at home. Am I crazy to look at UAB if Jordan Jelly Walker, the leading scorer, is somewhat healthy for UAB? Am I crazy to look at them four, four and a half, Ian Cameron, real quick? You're not crazy because I'll be looking uh, toward the uh, Blazers here in, in this game. And it really is amazing to see the difference uh, that he has made. Keep in mind, you know, they just got him back, uh, Jelly Walker, in the uh, big showdown just recently with uh, Florida uh, Atlantic and they were able to get that win 86-77, he didn't even have a real efficient game. Four for 12 
uh, shooting the basketball in that w- victory, two for 10 from three-point Well, range. now, Andy Kennedy said after that game, and they snapped FAU's 20-game win streak. I know you know that. The nation's longest win streak, they yes. beat him. But what Andy Kennedy said is, we are so much better with him on the floor because of all the attention he draws and the fact that he also distributes the ball a it lot of the time the and it yeah. opens up other people. So even though his numbers weren't great, it opened, Kennedy's point, it opened up other people for whatever that's worth. Continue on. Bobano. Exactly. And it means good things for Eric Gaines. It means good things for Tavin Loven. It means good things for Trey Jemison uh, and Buffin. And and all of a sudden they get more room and a space to operate. And all of a sudden, you know, there there's there's a wide open shot there for the taking. Uh and so that really propelled UAB against look, UAB was going through a little malaise there without Jelly. You know, they had lost four or five. Uh, they Of course, they end up getting the big win against Florida Atlantic with him back. They struggled to get past Florida International in their last game, 76-72. to 72. But again, they're coming off the huge win uh, against Florida Atlantic. I think a little letdown spot, potentially. But they it was ugly, but they, they won. Good teams win when they don't play their best. UAB did against Florida International. This is the game that circled. Okay, they lost to North Texas uh, on their home floor uh, back in January. Uh, North Texas won at home 63-52. And I was able to find it. Jelly Walker did did not not play play in that game. DNP with the ankle injury. So that's worth it on the handicap. Keep going. He did not. uh, And it's that. It's, It's a very good UAB team. It's in revenge here. North Texas is not an easy team to go against, um, but I'm going to here. Uh, Again, we're talking about, again, if you look back, uh, the last meeting, UAB as a home favorite loses outright to North Texas. And here's that angle again. Now they're a road underdog in conference play in the rematch in revenge. That is a long-term winner against the spread here in college basketball. So this is just like the Arkansas State uh, side that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. I am liking UAB here, uh, getting the uh, plus points here uh, in this game. And keep in mind, it's kind of been a road series lately because uh, UAB won at North Texas last season, uh, 69-63 uh, over the Mean Green. So again, I'll take all the points I can get with the Blazers, but I would not be shocked if they also uh, go to Denton and pick up the outright win here uh, as well. And you talk about coaches that are going to be on Uh, the radar uh, of some bigger power conference, high major teams, maybe after this season, Grant McCasland is Mm -hmm. not going to be around at North Texas very much longer. He's that good. He's going to find an opportunity and a bigger job somewhere else sooner rather than later. And with Andy Kennedy, you know, doing what he's doing with UAB, don't rule out another opportunity that he'll get at a power conference school. I know it didn't go well and didn't end well at Ole Miss, but doesn't mean he can't get another opportunity because of the job he's now doing here in Birmingham. And remember, Kennedy was a thousand point scorer at UAB. This is his alma mater. Some would say, okay, he's always going to have allegiance to UAB. Well, what else do you have allegiance to? Money. And if somebody comes swooping yeah, exactly. in, they made they made the tournament a year ago, UAB. They won the automatic bid in Conference USA. And if they get in the tournament again and somebody comes rolling with an extra mill or an extra couple of mill a year to be in the power five, he's going to listen. Everybody listens in college basketball and coaching uh, when that goes on. All right. Just another moment or two with Ian Cameron. We peek ahead to Saturday again with the understanding we do not have lines for any Saturday games, but we have a couple of interesting games like Duke and Virginia. 
like UConn and Creighton, for example, UConn, a win, a decisive win over Marquette on Tuesday. As you and I are releasing the podcast on Wednesday night, we've seen Creighton finish off a nice win for them at Seton Hall. Now, Creighton, UConn plays Saturday afternoon uh, coming in the Big East. So uh, those are a couple of games. Do you have a, you have an eye on anything else maybe for a Saturday, even if we don't have a line, Ian Cameron? So, you know what? UConn has been shocking. It's like two seasons in one for the UConn Huskies. Uh, they were they were talked about like the best team in college basketball. If you go all the way back to mid-December, mm-hmm. Big East play rolls around and they can't get out of their own way. I mean, the guard play has been horrid at times. Turnovers have been an issue. Just disjointed at the offensive end of the floor. The defensive intensity dropped off significantly once they got into conference play, not playing as well at that end of the floor. I mean, it's been a remarkable uh, struggle here uh, in the Big East for UConn, a team that was just rolling over teams in November and December. But that was a positive sign for me, uh, TJ, the way they played against Marquette. You know, Marquette's had a terrific season. Shaka Smart's usually very good in the underdog role. That was not the case uh, Mm. earlier this week in that 87-72 loss to uh, UConn. So is that a sign that they've turned things around? We'll see about that. But now they got to go to Creighton. They got a 69-60 win uh, against Creighton at home back on January the 7th. So Creighton there in that uh, Omaha gym where they can be pretty tough. They're going to be looking to avenge that loss. And Creighton's really started to play better basketball. They had the swoon without Ryan Kalkbrenner, but they've got off, they've got a great guard in uh, Andrew Nemhard, uh, who's done obviously just a, a terrific mm-hmm. job uh, here for this team. Uh, I think when you look at this UConn team or Creighton team, they're also starting to really rev it up. And I was impressed with the win at Seton Hall. Happy because I laid the small number with them, but there was no look ahead to this game. The defense played well, especially in the second half. They'd shut down the Pirates completely. And I think that's the difference with Creighton this year. They can really guard. They can really defend. Years ago when they had uh, Doug McDermott uh, on the team, the son of the coach, Greg, you know, they would go up and down the floor. They would outscore teams. They wouldn't pay any attention to trying to defend somebody. That's the difference, I think, with Creighton now. That's a great game, but I think situationally I've got to lean to Creighton at home. Uh, and UConn has still got to show that on the road they can play good basketball, and that's been a big problem for them lately. All right, again, the game at Creighton Saturday afternoon, and again for Creighton, a nice win for them midweek against uh, Seton Hall. It's going to be such a great tournament at Madison Square Garden as it always is. Hey, give me a quick answer. Is that going to be Creighton by like three, uh, maybe four? Is that going to be a little closer, maybe a a one-point spread? Creighton as the home team. Any thought on that, UConn Creighton, there on that? I think when you look at where that line is going to be, I think it's going to be Creighton 2, Creighton okay. 3. I don't think it'll be much more than that because of just the uh, the body of work and sure. the uh, statistical power ratings of where UConn is going and to be. And the way they looked yeah. against Marquette would make you apprehensive of making them a very big underdog, correct? No, exactly. If Cre- Creighton will be, a, it'll be pick them to a slight favorite at home for Creighton. That's probably what I expect in terms of where this uh, line is going to go. You mentioned Duke and Virginia. Yes, sir. I've been having a whale of a time just fading this Duke team on the road. I think I have been against Duke every time they've been on the road, honestly, in ACC play. <laughs> and you've been making money. And you've been exactly. making money if that's the case. Yes. I mean, it's been, it's, they've been hapless you know, away from home. Absolutely. Did they on Monday? I'm not making excuses. They expend a lot of energy. They expended a lot of energy Saturday night, emotional game with North Carolina. Did they look out of gas even in the first half? 
to you in Miami, and then the thought would be, okay, now it's four or five days later and they've regrouped. Are you buying that? Or do you look at this as this is a real problem because this team does not play the same way away from Cameron? It's that, and it's also, and it's why Jimmy Laranaga is such a great coach, by the way, in Miami. Do you know what they were doing every time it was a missed shot for Duke or a turnover? It was ram it down their throat in Take transition off. and Take wear off. this team out. Yep. You know, after playing the big rivalry game against North Carolina, wear them out. Uh, Isaiah Wong has just been outstanding for Miami. And to me, with this uh, Duke team, you know, it's been very frustrating. You know, Roach has been banged up. That hasn't helped them a whole lot He's, uh, this season. Uh, the defensive play, especially on the road, has been non-existent. So I've already got my eye on Virginia there. I'd expect Virginia to probably be, you know, four, five-point favorite uh, in that game. I'm hoping it's that cheap. I'm hoping it's not, you know, they're not more of a favorite than that. But the fact uh, that Duke has had their issues on the road, I think you're going to see Virginia still favored by four or five. I'd still probably look to lay the points with Virginia, who got themselves a nice win against NC State uh, to uh, bounce back from a setback that they had against uh, their in-state rivals, Virginia Tech. Uh, over the weekend. By the way, Virginia Tech, if you want to buy low team right now, Virginia Tech, and I know last I checked, they were struggling with Boston College, but since they got Hunter Couture back, they've been a better offensive team. They've started to play better uh, basketball overall. Uh, Virginia Tech could be one of those teams that in the uh, ACC tournament too, because they could still very much be on the bubble with the tournament, you know, maybe a team that's capable of making a run. All right, interesting. And again, we don't know that result as Ian and I are finishing up our interview. Virginia Tech's playing Boston College, having some problems at home late in that game. You'll know that result if you pay attention here to the ACC and off of Three Dog Thursday. So keep an eye on that. Anything else uh, Saturday in the West? We don't want West Coast bias. Just give me a quick uh, read on like UCLA is at Oregon. That one is interesting late Saturday uh, night. That's probably UCLA favored by a couple of points at Oregon uh, in the uh, in the Pac-12. BYU at Gonzaga. It was a close game at Provo, and Gonzaga won it. A couple of Western games. Gonzaga probably going to be significantly favored, though, in the rematch. I would think like five, seven, whatever. You would know better than me. Any Any thought on the line of either one of those two games to wrap it up, Ian Cameron? Yeah, well, I'll tell you right now about this Oregon team. And, man, this is not the time of year I like going against Oregon. This is just something that they do every single uh, season, and that is start to pick up their game and get themselves uh, playing their best basketball, you know, as we head into uh, March. And Dana Altman looks like he's about to do it again with this team. They had the bad loss at Arizona, and Arizona was just out for blood that Mm -hmm. night. You know, when Oregon lost 91-76 in Tucson, remember, Oregon got them, not just beat Arizona in Eugene earlier this year, they, they crushed them. Arizona was ready. I don't fault Oregon for that loss. But they showed how good they are. They bounced back. They beat Arizona State 75-70. Will Richardson starting to finally turn into the player we thought he would be uh, much of the season. He's played a lot better. They go as he goes. They really do, and he's played a lot better for Dana Altman lately. Uh, their defensive play has picked up a lot. Oregon's a dangerous team, and I think they're dangerous in this spot, You know, hosting UCLA. Uh, on Saturday night. We know what the Bruins are capable of. We know they've got that experience of being uh, a a team that's been to a Final Four, been into the NCAA tournament multiple years now, uh, and certainly under Mick Cronin, you know you're going to probably get this team defending for 40 minutes. But I expect Oregon to be a home underdog, something probably in the 4-5 or range uh, as a home underdog. Tasty, 
Tasty. Uh, I will be if looking at there. Oregon. Yeah, tasty. I will be interested. Yes. And the other and the other thing is we've seen on the back half of these swings where, for example, UCLA beat Arizona State a couple of weeks ago, stayed in the Valley of the Sun, not as far away as Oregon, then had to come play an early Saturday game, and, and Arizona decisively beat them. They will play Oregon State late Thursday as we release Three Dog Thursday, and at least this is a night game in Eugene on Saturday, but it's the back half of staying in Oregon for two or three days. I'm I, Hey, I'm with you. That might be very interesting, Oregon and uh and this, this and will be one of my favorite dogs on the four. card or one of the ones if, that i will if be. they're getting three or four or more that is t- that, that's good looking stuff for three dog thursday for oregon ucla saturday night my friend you have given me so much you've been gracious with your time hanging out here on uh three dog thursday ian plug away on where we hear and see all of your content with all that you're doing not just football that we're putting to bed but college basketball and even hockey if they are interested plug away my friend so you can follow me on Twitter at Bobano. Uh, I'm on Pub Sports Radio, the YouTube channel. I do the NBA Pub Hub show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three days a week. Uh, with that, I do the College Basketball Net Profit Show. Great name of that show, Net I love Profit. It. Uh, Monday to Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific. And then I am also hosting a Saturday morning, kind of like college game day style pregame show from a betting perspective college basketball pub hub saturday mornings 10 a.m eastern a two-hour show mm. right before all the games tip off and we're just giving out our sides and our totals and breaking down all the major games we're going to the added board you name it any game on that sat massive saturday card we try to all fit in as many games as possible in two hours it's a lot of fun and then of course the ice guys nhl hockey betting show seven days a week monday to friday two o'clock p.m eastern saturday and sunday noon eastern and we've got a special ice guys hockey super betcast saturday all day all night through the nhl action we'll just be live betting commentating live on youtube <laughs> throwing back a few beers Hopefully not hammered oh. by the end of the BetCast. It'll be a lot of fun this weekend. A great weekend way to start the Super Bowl festival. Oh, absolutely. With all the different uh, games. By the way. Uh, and your Lightning is... are playing on national TV Saturday afternoon ju- against can Dallas. You, can you straighten them out for me, please, at a distance? Please straighten out the uh, two-time Stanley Cup recent champion Tampa Bay Lightning off the All-Star break. He talks it all. He's got the Eagles and the Super Bowl props he was talking about. He's got college basketball underdogs for Thursday and Saturday. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Ian Cameron, you did so well. Can I bother you again? Like when we come around to March, we got to talk in March, brother. When this all, when the mayhem starts up, we got to do this again. But good luck with Pub Sports Radio. Good luck with the Ice Guys. And thank you for hanging on Three Dog Thursday. Give me a call, TJ, and I might pick up. I might do that. Yeah. Good to be with you, my friend. So we do roll on on a Super Bowl edition of Three Dog Thursday. Before we get to my man Joe Lisi with all the angles and plays from a nuclear engineer point of view, another guy that I consider to be a Rhodes Scholar is the doctor, T.C. Martin. It has been far too long on Three Dog Thursday since we have gotten the wit, the wisdom, the handicapping insight of T.C. Martin from the galactically famous T.C. Martin show in Las Vegas, heard five days a week. I always love to have you on Three Dog Thursday. We're down to two. We're down to the Eagles. We're down to the Chiefs. Uh, Doctor, we got so much to go over with you on a couple of angles you might be looking at. I'm curious if Vegas is still a destination on Super Bowl Sunday. I want to find all this out. But we should say to the audience, I'm talking to you late 
Eastern time Wednesday as we release the podcast. It's right after dinner time, and I'm profoundly disappointed that I don't know what you had to eat tonight or where because half the time I know everywhere you're eating and what you're eating these days. I think you missed your calling as a food critic or some kind of a Food Network TV show host. Uh, did you get enough to eat tonight? How are you on Three Dog Thursday? Well, first of all, TJ Raves, great to be back with you. And uh, as you know, I you caught me right after dinner was done, I, before I got a chance to post. Post is coming as soon as we are done <laughs> with the Three Dog Thursday. And I think that you will love what I had tonight. Okay. Yes, I, ha- I That's had a tease tonight. That's a tease. Uh, do I get like a, uh, a, a delicacy ethnicity? Uh, did we, did we go like, you know, out of well, tonight it was, out of the box? It was, this was a, 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 a high octane, high profile business meeting within the sports gaming industry, uh, tonight <laughs> had some power people around me okay. and they said, TC knows where to go. So you pick the spot. I picked the spot. We went Mexican. And all I got to say, TJ Riz, is albandigas. The albandigas <laughs> soup. If you have never had the albandigas spicy meatball to vegetable soup, I don't know why I'm doing an Italian accent when I'm talking no, about a Mexican. Works. I don't know. I can Arriba. just say, TJ Reeves, I can just tell you this. The albandigas, go, 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 go. My man is, my, my man is off the chain. Already. Uh, Let me bring you back to the Super Bowl. Oh, that Eagles and Chiefs. Now we've been talking about it. It's midweek. Obviously, we lean underdog conversation, but there's only one game and maybe you don't like the Chiefs uh, as as the public or maybe TC doesn't like them. So we've been talking about props uh, on the Super Bowl, different angles, et cetera, which is fine. What, what is the doctor when you analyze this game? You've kind of been evolving. You've been giving some handicapping advice. Uh, I think you're going to be on the fence with me on three dog Thursday and want to go more on the record on your own show with the best bets on Friday of Super Bowl week, but give me a couple of things you've got your eye on. If not the side for the chiefs or the Eagles, what do you have your eye on here for the Super Bowl? I'll tell you what, really looking forward to this Super Bowl with two teams, the closest point spread we've ever seen in the history of the Super Bowl. All right. You're talking about a game that opened at pick. On Sunday night, going back nearly two weeks ago, after the championship games were done, uh, money came in uh, immediately on the Chiefs to raise the line up to two, two and a half. And then an avalanche of money came in on the Philadelphia Eagles. They had that thing go back to a pick em, go to Eagles one, Eagles two, Eagles two and a half for a brief moment, three, and then settled in for the most part at Eagles two, two and a half. Now we're starting to see Kansas City money come in, which we firmly expected. Currently sits at one and a half as we record Three Dog Thursday with you right Mm -hmm. now. But as we get closer to the weekend, you will get more public money. Uh, The sharp money, those guys have already made their plays. That's why you saw the avalanche of money in the line moves. Just within the first 20 minutes of that Sunday night, you saw the line go from what I just described. And it, it was crazy. Uh, Cause we usually don't see that. And so you got a good two, two way action and uh, the public money will come in with, as I like to say, I don't want to say the house team, but basically the public team. And that is the Kansas city chiefs because people love Patrick Mahomes. They love Andy Reed. Uh, they love that aspect and they feel that they are getting, you know, value here, even though you're really not getting value from a point spread perspective, but they figure, Hey, the chiefs are always favorites. You know, chiefs are usually in the neighborhood of seven to eight point favorites. 
uh, when they're on the road. They're anywhere from three to five point favorites. So they feel, hey, give me the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. will be a little bit more healthier, even though that's another story in itself. It's a big story with the high ankle sprain. But yeah, uh, this thing will probably uh, close right around maybe one or so in favor of the Eagles. So it's uh, it's interesting because the books are seeing uh, a, an avalanche of handle like they expected, but uh, very, very good two-way action. This is going to be a great day for the books either way because that's what you uh, are aiming for, two-way action, and, and that's what we're getting here. All right, so we'll get into a prop or two that you might like. Do you buy the theory? I was just talking with Ian Cameron, a uh, handicapper out of Canada that does – a tremendous job across all sports, and he was going over some different things and different scenarios. Do you buy one of the things I was putting to him, which is in the small sample size, Jalen Hurts got clobbered in his only playoff game last year in a loss to Tom Brady and my B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, go Bucks. And then both games this year have been runaways in the fourth quarter, not close. Obviously, Andy Reid, tremendously experienced, including with close games, in playoff games, in Super Bowls. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, tons of postseason close games, including the AFC title game, uh, Super Bowl experience. How much of that is a factor, do you think, that especially if we roll third quarter, late third quarter, and this is a close game, and the Eagles haven't been in a close game that, that, uh, that really matters in the postseason? That's a very popular narrative. And uh, in the beginning, myself, I brought that up about the experience factor of the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl three of the last four years. Here's where I'm at with that right now, TJ, is I don't think it's going to be a factor. Here's what we have learned from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a pro. He's been a pro ever since he came to Alabama and what he did with that amazing win-loss record. And then having his job stripped from him in favor of Tua and then when Tua got hurt, what Jalen Hurts do? Oh, let his team in the end zone immediately on that first drive. And then he went to Oklahoma and then just even surpassed what he did uh, at Alabama. Then he comes to Philadelphia. And fun fact here, that a, lot, a lot of people may not realize, but do you realize this is the first time in Jalen Hurts' entire career, dating back to high school, mind you, that he's been in the same system for two years. High school, college, and uh, once he became a pro, uh, never been in the same offensive scheme or system for more than one season. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing with Jalen Hurts. This guy's calm, cool, collective. I don't think there is any moment that is too big for him, so I'm not buying it. And then, you know, people want to talk about, well, the um, Kansas City Chiefs have 16 guys left over from that Super Bowl team, a lot of them skill position players. Very true. But remember how the Philadelphia Eagles have been built They've been built through free agency. Guys like, you know, Dominic and Sue and people mm -hmm. like that. All right. You got Darius Slade. You got, you got, you know, uh, AJ Brown. Get the trade for AJ Brown. These exactly. guys are, are, have maybe not been in Super Bowls. All right. But some have. But for the most part, they're big time players. They're veterans. They're all pros. And that's, you know, Philadelphia has one of the most veteran laden teams. So I think you throw the experience out the window. Eagles have just as much experience, maybe not quote-unquote Super Bowl experience, but they got experience and they got big-time players. Going back to last year, they were a number seven seed. The Bucs were the better team, no question. Throw it out the window. The Eagles are a much better team this year than last year. And again, they had a kind of a cakewalk. They had the first round by. You face the Giants, 
who you've destroyed two times earlier, three times, um, you know, here in the season. And, and then they get a quarterbackless San Francisco 49ers team. So, yeah, I, I think they're fine. This is not the same Chiefs team that we saw, you know, two, three, four years ago. I think you can make a compelling argument for both sides, but you can make a very strong argument that the that the Philadelphia Eagles are the better team on both sides of the football here. So that's what, what's caught my eye. And we can get into a couple quick matchups. Why, Let's do why it. I feel that Let's way. Do it. It's, it's Let's do intriguing. it. Let's do it. Let's do it with the Dr. T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show. Find him at T.C. Martin 21 on Twitter. Give me a couple of angles that you're interested I'm, in. I, I get the cinch. You're not interested in the Chiefs for Three Dog Thursday purposes, but give me an angle. Give me a prop, something that's evolving. What do you like? Well, let, let me tell you. First of all, Three Dog Thursday is fantastic, but you throw out the window when you have uh, a line jockeying back and forth, and it's a point and a half. So there, there's no underdog right. in this game. Right. we got to be clear. There's no underdog in this game. Uh, you're the only guy that picks underdogs when they're, when they're getting, you know, uh, a point and a half or two, you're the only guy that I know TJ Reeves. They still anyway, count as underdogs. Last I checked, they count, so. they count as underdogs they, in the, in the I, ledger. I understand. So I could definitely make a key a case for the Kansas city chiefs. I could do that, especially with Andy Reed coming off the buy and Andy Reed will have something, uh, under his sleeve. Andy Reed is one of these guys that diagrams plays in his sleep. He always has something special. You talk about the Philly special from a few years back with right. Doug Peterson, right? He's going to have the Kansas city barbecue special. He's going to have something Tr trust me. I'm, you <laughs> know, so I bring the food. I know that the gates right? we barbecue, saw ring around the, the rosies pocket full of posies. Yeah. posies. The gates barbecue, the something. Yes. I got you. Something is happening. Uh, Andy Reed is going to have something for his former employer. And this is a real deal too. Yes. He wants to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the, in the baddest way, but he's not going to say that, but Andy Reed is a genius, especially time to prepare. But with the Eagles, I think it comes down to this. It comes down to Jalen Hurts getting time. Kansas City has three uh, rookie uh, defenders in that uh, defensive backfield with the likes of Devontae Smith and then and uh, A.J. Brown and company, right? It, it, we know that Steve Spagnola is a big-time blitz guy, right? Well, if they are going to like to blitz the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, well, what's going to happen? Okay. That means man on man coverage, which the Eagles should e exploit with those wide receivers and those mismatches. And then also running lanes for Jalen Hurts. Watch Jalen Hurts to be able to get big chunks of yardage. Hence, look at prop bets, whatever that number is for Jalen Hurts rushing because of what Spagnola likes to do and what the Eagles like to do. It kind of plays into the Eagles being able to get what they want offensively. And even though a slight lean towards the under, because I think it's going to be more of a defensive battle, I think the overs kind of, you know, the numbers rising and rising. I think the Eagles are going to be able to get what they want offensively. But defensively, I, I just think that the Eagles are too tough as well, too. So, yes, I've gone back and forth, honestly, four times when one drive to the radio station uh, the other day. Which way you've am gone, I going here? You've gone like back and forth three times in this same thought yes, process during yes. Three Dog Thursday. Which, yeah. But sooner or later, brother, you got to go on the record, and it's going to be on your best bet show on the T.C. Martin Show on Friday. I know that's I know, happening and, and, on and, Friday. And I'm also getting pulled, you know, with uh, – you know, we have we have the the poll here in Las Vegas with the different handicappers and sports personalities. I think I got to turn my 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 pick in to the uh, the world famous Las Vegas Review Journal here in just a, a matter of hours. So I got to make up my mind in a final score, TJ Reeves. But uh, as I sit here right now, it could be fly eagle fly. Interesting.
Um, all right. So you gave us some, you didn't really go on the record with a problem. I mean, like I, I was saying in the last conversation, just to repeat here, a fun thing might be Travis Kelsey to get a couple of touchdowns. It's very easy and it's, and you're having to lay money, but an underdog prop for, for again, for Kelsey to get two touchdowns in the game is like six to one. It's paying out well. And I think he could have that kind of success. So we'll see. So just look for fun things. Uh, like that. Like, for example, uh, I, I was taught this long ago, pair things up. If you have a narrative for how the game is going to yeah. go, like if you believe in Kansas City, is there a scenario where Kansas City wins the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes is not the MVP? Probably not. Maybe only Kelsey. So if you believe in the Chiefs to win, partner it up. I'm just throwing this out there with Mahomes to get the MVP and partner that up with something else like a Kelsey anytime touchdown. If you're able to if you're able to partner up three things, you could get really good value on that. And again, I think those things are very very feasible. Chiefs win, Mahomes MVP, Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown might be might be worth pairing those things up. I'm so, just putting that advice And I'll out say there. I'll say this to you too. Now, if you believe that the Chiefs are going to win this game, all right? And this this is a a, a great way to go if you want to bet this game and if you if you feel the chiefs are going to win this game instead of laying the 110 or 120 if you have to depending on where the line sits and and that sort of thing patrick mahomes mvp is plus 130 mm -hmm. if the chiefs are going to win patrick mahomes more than likely i will even say close to 100 will be the most viable player and i'll and i'll and I'll, I'll squash the theory about travis kelsey because remember if travis kelsey has two or three touchdowns, he's going to get that yardage. But that yardage is also going to Patrick Mahomes as well, mm -hmm. too. So if Kelsey has two, Mahomes is going to have three or probably four. The only way Pat, the only way that Kelsey gets an MVP here is if maybe if he has four touchdowns and it would be a co-MVP, which we've seen right. with Patrick Mahomes. But it's going to be Mahomes getting the MVP over anybody else. It's certainly not going to be Pacheco because he would have to run for 200 yards, which right. – Probably is not going to happen. It's not going to be one of the other middling wide receivers because that's what they are, middling wide receivers. So it's going to be Mahomes or it's going to be Kelsey. Therefore, more than likely, it's going to be whatever Kelsey attains. It's it sounds be... like you're buying my theory. If you're back in the Chiefs, partner yes. this stuff up. Look into yeah. it. Well, yeah, that's the problem, though. Remember, a lot of props you cannot parlay. So you have to I be understand. careful of that. You can't do that. So, it, you know, again, if you don't want to, you know, like say get one and a half and lay one ten. Hey, take plus one thirty with Mahomes if you believe the Chiefs are going to win. There's love, uh, love all this. One more for the doctor. You've been out in Vegas forever. Again, you had some time, uh, like like a prison sentence in Green Bay, and then came back to Vegas. I always joke with you uh, about that. And by the way, I have yet to remind you uh, in this conversation that over and over again, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the underdog at New Orleans in twenty twenty in the twenty twenty one playoffs. At Green Bay, when you preached to me for like a week that Green Bay was going to win, and I tried to tell you, ain't going to happen. Tom Brady's going to get them in the in the title game. And the Bucs were even the underdog at home in their own stadium for Super Bowl 55. And we know how that worked out with Wednesday being the two-year anniversary, by the way, or actually a Tuesday being the two-year anniversary of that. They, they were the underdog three times in a row in those playoffs and were able to cover, speaking of three-dog Thursday, and, and underdog. So I have to get that in whenever I get the chance. I, I, uh, what year was that again? Again, it was two years ago. Uh, I know, I, I, know I know you have trouble remembering you talk things about it weekly. in, in yeah, the okay. distant past. 
okay. but that's not the distant past. That's the recent okay. past. Uh, like people that keep bringing up uh, Jalen Hurts' college career, as you did earlier on this conversation. Yeah. That was more than two years ago, by the way. Yeah. So in any event, uh, you've been out there in Vegas. So with all the pre- the prevalent online sports book stuff that's now legal, all the states that have legalized it, how it, last year and even this year, and more more so this year because it's less the guarded pandemic conditions this year, how is that going to change in your opinion? How has it already changed Super Bowl week, but how will it change this weekend? How many people are there and how big of an event it still is in Vegas, if at all? What say you? Huge. I'll just say this. If you want to get a hotel room tonight, TJ Reeves, do you know what you're going to pay for a hotel room tonight? My my guess, are you saying that it's a lot less or are you saying it's more expensive in the weekend? Because I don't even know how well, the you, dynamic you works. Tell me, you, you tell my me. My guess okay? would be like you an want... average hotel cost would be $250 on a Thursday yeah. night, just an average so thir- for a decent room. Okay, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, okay? Mm-hmm. You're spending $900 a night, mm. okay? Because of the Super Las Bowl. Vegas, right. yes, Las Vegas hasn't suffered at all. If anything, uh, again, this is... It's like March Madness, okay? Even though that the opening weekend of March Madness, they don't have games here in Las Vegas. Of course, you can wager on them, but remember, the they are going to have uh, a regional coming up here this year. Vegas is a destination. It's a party destination. It's a sports and entertainment destination. So yes, even though other states now, okay, we're up to 33 states that have legalized sports betting, and you've got legalized sports betting in Arizona, which is very unique. This is the first time that a Super Bowl host site has legalized sports betting. So people, for the first time, are going to be in a stadium, and they're going to be on their mobile apps betting on this game. That's that's very uh Mm-hmm. intriguing as well too but yes answer to your question is no it is huge because here's what you can get in vegas where you can't get okay if you're betting in colorado or iowa or you know wherever you get the party you get the party atmosphere in vegas you get the the vip parties or you get the just the sports book parties you know for free to be in the book or whatever and wager on the game so yes uh vegas still a big time destination hotel rooms are sold out they're at a premium rate but uh, this is the place to be um, even better so than going into State Farm Stadium and dealing with that in <laughs> Glendale, Arizona. People are coming to Vegas. They love coming to Vegas for the Super Bowl, March Madness, any big time event. Always uh, love the doctor's insight. And again, your best bet show, tcmartinshow.com. And it's on five days a week in Las Vegas. Uh, catch it, check it out, because you'll be going on the record with props or sides or totals or whatever uh, with the Super Bowl. So we tease that. I always love the doctor on Three Dog Thursday. Anything else in closing, my friend, before we're done and good here? No, just uh, appreciate the time. Again, uh, been a fun season with Three Dog Thursday. And uh, we're I think we're going to get a fantastic capper to all of this with Super Bowl Sunday. Again, you know, basically the tightest point spread we have ever seen. Great two-way action and uh, you know, hopefully the game does live up to the hype. So, let's let's get it on. And by the way, Three Dog Thursday the podcast here will continue through March Madness. I will get the doctor back on. I got the doctor with me as well on the college basketball coast to coast coverage because this man's all over the Mountain West, the Pac-12 covering it for us. We were at the Final 4 last year. I made sure you had plenty of good eats in the Big Easy. In New Orleans, Uh, you even got to hook up with Roy Williams uh, in an around championship Monday 
uh, talking but, North Carolina in the title game with Kansas. So uh, I always looked at I, I got Roy Williams, I got Danny Manning, I got Lon Kruger. I, I, had, I had all my guys there. And, was, and this year, TJ Reeves, we you, we get to flip it a little bit because you're going to be on my semi home turf in Houston, Texas, which I'm looking forward to. So now I get to introduce you to the fine uh, eating establishments there. So I have I have been that. there, but you got to probably show me some of this Mexican. What's that soup again? Give me give me the what soup? Albandigas. <laughs> we begin and we end with albandigas soup uh, with nice. TC Martin. Doctor, enjoy it. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thank you for hanging on Three Dog Thursday. You got it. I promised I've been looking forward to talking to this guy. I've not talked to him in this calendar year. I think I did talk to you at one point during the football season. My buddy Joe Lisi, who lives here in the greater Tampa Bay area, he actually lives a couple of hours uh, just north of downtown Tampa, about an hour and a half north of downtown Tampa, uh, and literally a retired nuclear engineer. So we're going to spice up the show with some brain cells here on the program. And Joe is as sophisticated a handicapper better, especially when it comes to exotic parlays and teases and whatever. I've known this man for over 20 years, and I, I just I want some insight on how to bet the Super Bowl and how to pair it up with different things. First of all, the peeps should know on Three Dog Thursday, you are an Eagle guy first and foremost. As we yeah. do this interview, you are sitting in an Eagle's hat. You are now uh, closing in on Sunday afternoon, the Eagles going for another Super Bowl title. So that well, let's get that out of the way. We got fandom involved. How pumped are you that the Eagles are back in this thing, my friend? I'm not only pumped that the Eagles are in it. I know for a fact I'm going to go to Vegas and come back with more money than I left with. Which thanks is, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the whole idea. You had a Steelers season long win total play, right? Which was what to win what? What was the the number of wins you needed? Steelers over seven and a half wins, and Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, as you probably know. And they got the uh, the last two wins were in the last minute. It was the second to last week of the season when they got to eight wins. Uh, and they only let me bet $2,000 a pop last summer when I was out there. So <laughs> I bet it about six times. <laughs> so you, you so. did it and, and, and have ended up cashing enough to buy a, uh, a nice automobile, I think, off the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, win yeah, total. Thank you, Mike Tomlin. And, they, and by the way, for a while in September and October, as you know, it looked like they weren't going to get to five or six wins, and yet they got to eight. Right. Their first half of the schedule was front-end loaded with really a, a tough tough draw, and then the second half, it got considerably easier. And, yeah, come Halloween, it wasn't looking the greatest, but uh, they, they made headway in November and December. <laughs> All right. No doubt about that. So let's get into it with Super Bowl 57, Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, I've already made mention of this Mahomes and the ankle. It's the most, I keep joking, the scru most scrutinized ankle in all of North America. That's the real variable. That's the real factor. How healthy is he? How healthy is he in the second half after the painkillers worn off, by the way, with the high ankle sprain? How do you handicap this with that injury with Mahomes? What do you look for? What are you looking at? And does it influence maybe how you might be handicapping this? Well, whether he's in it or not or gets re-injured, has to get pulled. I'm looking for a close game. I mean, as you know, the spread is one and a half. I'm not looking for a blowout either way. And those are the prop bets I look at then that influence me that the game will be close, I believe, and ROI, return on investment. I'm looking for the prop bets that are in the plus side, not where you have to lay a bunch of money to win a little money. So first one in that regard is will either team score three times in a row? 
I love that bet for just about every Super Bowl. And that does not include points after touchdowns. Okay. And as I look at the sheet, it's uh, plus 160 on no. So I will be betting neither team scores three times in a row. Does not include points after touchdown. So if you bet 100 bucks, you're getting 260 back. Okay, so just so that we understand this, this can be a touchdown, obviously, a field goal, or a safety. And you were saying to me, this has time and again been a winner. I don't know if you have the recent numbers or the overall trend in the Super Bowls, the previous 56 Super Bowls, but how often, at least recently, has this hit where neither team has scored three times in a row? On average, I'd say about four out of five. I think the last exception was the Bucks when they destroyed the Chiefs. Was that thirty-one to nine or whatever? Correct. And they did score. They uh, they scored three times in a row. But that's the last one I know off the top of my head. Most of the times, neither team does score three times in a row. And along with that, largest lead of the game over or under fourteen and a half. Either team, I'm going under. I don't think either team will ever lead in the game by more than fourteen and a half points. And yet, and this is something we've been talking about all week, been talking about on this podcast, the Eagles' two wins, as you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Mr. Eagle fan, Joe Lisi, uh, the Eagles had two laughers. They're they're up by 20-plus points in the fourth quarter of both games with the Giants and the 49ers. So again, that is neither team to lead by at least 14-and-a-half. Interesting. And what is that paying on the plus side a little bit? Uh, yeah, that is a plus side bet. Uh, hang on. He goes uh, hard copy with his sheet, minutes. folks, that he has. All the <laughs> well, spreadsheets. When you got 38 pages of props, it's a, it's a lot to go for. Um, <laughs> well, either largest lead of the game, I'll, I'm under. That's a minus. That's minus 140. So I got to lay 140 bucks to get 240 back. Okay. But still, uh, you believe nobody's going to run away. And you don't want turnovers if that's the case. Because turnovers lead to short Correct. fields, yeah. if not defensive yeah. scores, and can lead to 14 quick points or more. Uh, if that if that were to come through, if that were to happen. Now, I, I know you, and I know that all throughout the football postseason, college of the NFL, you love to have these exotic teaser bets. Well, now we only have one football game. So my question for Joe Lisi, as you as you head out to Vegas, and Joe is actually heading to Vegas as we release the Three Dog Thursday podcast on Thursday morning to be out there, make these bets, collect on that Steeler bet. Are you looking at pairing up a Super Bowl wager or two with like college basketball or something else because you get more value on the parlays and on the tees and that kind of stuff are you because there's only one football game left one nfl game left are you looking at other sports there is one that i'm looking at the um there's a tie-in to the las vegas golden knights hockey team who are playing on super bowl sunday they're at home against the anaheim ducks the anaheim ducks are a terrible team and they don't score very often so total goals in the Golden Knights Anaheim Ducks game <laughs> versus receptions by AJ Brown. Ooh. Okay. Um, and it's minus a half on the goals. So let's say Vegas wins three to two. That's five. Minus a half. That's four and a half. Will AJ Brown have more than four and a half receptions? I'm saying mm, yes. Mm, I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking he's probably good, depending on I'm her. hoping a, I'm hoping for a low scoring hockey game. And yeah, given the absolutely. fact that it's Anaheim, and Anaheim, I think, has the fewest goals scored in the NHL this year, that's what I'm hoping for on the crossover bet. 
Love this. Just some more Super Bowl insight with my man, Joe Lisi. Again, one of the ways that I met Joe, and I kid him all the time, is that he participated in an athletics auction with the University of South Florida where he bid money, folks, to come sit in the radio studio and watch TJ do the radio show. That's how we met almost 22, 23 years ago. I've been bothering you now for 22, 23 years. Uh, It's incredible. And in and around that time, Joe hit a, what was it, 12 or 14 team mega teaser involving mega teaser bowl bet. games, <laughs> NFL regular season. It, it, I don't know if it had like European darts and, and Chinese checkers or anything else, but you hit like a 14 team teaser that involved like the Miami Hurricane Nebraska Cornhusker national title game back in the day, BCS title game back in the early 2000s. And ever since then, I've always just consulted you on what are these exotic, crazy teasers where you're messing with the line, these mega teasers for 10 teams, 12 teams, 14 teams. You don't do it that often, but you do it sometimes. Yeah, and typically during the college ball season when I go out right before Christmas because you can bet all the bowl games and the pro games for that week, and then you're betting games that aren't going to be played for two weeks, which is risky because you don't know who's going to get sent home, missed curfew, injured, whatever. There is one more prop bet I do like, shortest touchdown of the game in the Super Bowl. Over, under, one and a half yards. Shortest touchdown of the game. Mm. I'm betting over because it's plus 140, which means I never want to see the ball on the one-yard line. No. If it's on the and one, they, I need an offensive penalty. But, going but wait, but wait, your Eagles are so good at rushing touchdowns. How scared are you that they're going to get down to the one-yard line and get a one-yard rushing touchdown because they've done it over and over again this season? Right. Um, it could happen, but because it's plus 140, I'm getting good value in the bet. So I don't ever want to see the ball on the one. If it is, I hope they go backwards a yard or two or three or four or five and run. Give me a false start. Give me a snap, a sack, (laughs) a fumble snap, something (laughs) on that. Okay. Another fun one. Six years ago, someone's Eagles defeated the new England Patriots in a wild high scoring Super Bowl. Reflect on what you had and what, what if anything came through, including if you did a parlay or whatever, with Nick Foles and the Philly special touchdown catch and the Eagles scoring and scoring and beating Brady and the Patriots, uh, euphoria for you to win the Super Bowl. But did you cash anything crazy yes. from what you remember? I was in Vegas for that day. We were at um, a, a big party at Paris in a banquet hall, and the Eagles were three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I took the Eagles plus the three-and-a-half. I took the Eagles giving three-and-a-half, and I took the Eagles giving six-and-a-half. <laughs> and the Patriots never punted it. Patriots never punted in the game and lost 41-33, I think it was. So that money run that night was extremely, uh, extremely good. What out of what in the world out of hubris, confidence or whatever possessed you to be willing to give Tom Brady and the Patriots six and a half? I know the juice had to be tremendous on that. But I mean, that's a lot of points to be giving Tom Brady when you're the underdog team. I I agree. And they were inexperienced and Brady and Belichick, they had been to how many Super Bowls. So and that's I've heard that a lot this week about, you know, the inexperience of the Eagles and Jalen Hurts never been to a Super Bowl. Andy Reid just won one. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's luck involved, obviously. But, you know, that was all hype and me just backing my Eagles who hadn't been to the Super Bowl since they were Jacksonville and the Patriots beat them at that one. So. Yeah, that was a that was a good money run. My girlfriend, we walked around, and then we got back to the room. I laid her down in the bed and covered her in hundred dollar bills and took her picture. Uh, that's the way to be. I think I remember that photo. All right, one more because you were telling me about this twenty years ago. This is the fifty seventh Super Bowl. There is some formula, and again, we're dealing with a nuclear engineer. 
Joe Lisi, hanging out with me on Three Dog Thursday. There's some formula, and I would love to tell the audience that I remember all the different variables in the formula, but it's closer to like 97 variables than it is seven variables. So there's all these things like yards rushing average and number of completions over seven yards and all these different variables, and the formula tells you here's who the winner is going to be. So one... How often is this formula right? First of all, you're still keeping track of the formula. 56 games into the Super Bowl. How often is this formula right? It's right now between 80 and 85% of the time. Uh, it's got <laughs> yeah, it's got 30 variables to it that each have a point value. And when you're all done, you add up the point values for both teams compared to the actual spread. And that tells you who to bet on. And the Chiefs get the biggest one on the board because they won a Super Bowl in the last three years. That's worth 10 points right out of the box. Um, the Eagles do catch up a bit. And when it's all said and done, based on my math with what I've done this year, it's almost dead even. Uh, I think it was like 28 and a half, 28 and a half for both teams. So therefore, look at the spread and take mm -hmm. the spread. Now, did this formula cash a year ago? Rams, Bengals? Do we it know did. what the form? It did. Yeah, it did, did it cash yeah. Buccaneers, Chiefs, and the pandemic crazy Super Bowl of the 2020 season? Two years ago yesterday, by the way, Joseph, two years ago yesterday, my Buccaneers defeating the Chiefs as we taped the podcast. Did it cash two years ago on the formula with Buccaneers, Chiefs? That's the last the last time it did not cash was the Buccaneers, um, thirty-one to nine. I think. But it was. before that, Chiefs, 49ers, Yes, the formula yep. mm -hmm. was winning, and I did it hit about. Six or seven in a row years before that. Okay, so I'm yeah I'm trying to going all the way back to your Eagles and, and the Patriots and, and the rest of these. It's done well about eighty to eighty percent, eighty five percent of the time. So by your math, that one says dead even game. So therefore, take the Kansas City take, Chiefs. It says take the Chiefs. Yeah, and the Eagles are also bucking another trend, which I think goes back to 06. the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the last time they won. The last team to lose a game during the regular season, whoever that is, and this year it was the Eagles when they lost to Washington on a Monday night. The last team to lose the regular season game and then go on to win the Super Bowl, that was the Indianapolis Colts in 06. The Eagles were the last team to lose a game this year, and now they're trying to win the Super Bowl. So in other words, they have lost a game since the Chiefs have lost a game, is what you're saying. No, I'm saying the last team of all the teams to lose any game. The Eagles were 11 and 0 or whatever. They were the last unbeaten. Oh, the, the last season. unbeaten. I got right. you. And, and the Colts were the, the last unbeaten in the 06 season and eventually beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Right. And again, I so I, I lost myself on that. What is the play? Because the Eagles were the last team to lose in the entire NFL regular season. Right. So the the law of averages is saying they will not win the Super Bowl because of that, because typically they're saying this teams get off to a hot start like Arizona went eight. No one year and then faded. Whoever gets off to a hot start will cool off dramatically and never even make it. Or if they do make it, not actually win the game. And the last team to do that was those 06 uh, Indianapolis Colts. That's the trend and back and back to, to the formula one more time before you head out, young man. On the formula, give me, you said like 30 variables. Give me like three or four of them that we're paying attention that goes in the soup uh, and the formula hits like 80 or 80% of the, 85% of the time. Give me some of the things that are in the formula you mentioned. Um, has the team won the Super Bowl in the last three years? Mm -hmm. uh, net penalty yards, who has the better net penalty yards? Who has the more kickoff and punt returns for TDs? 
um, who <laughs> I know they're, right? they, they, they are bizarre. Um, and, and each one has an assigned weighted point value to it. But again, it's covering kind of eventualities for the game. Penalties are going to be part of the game. Will there be a special right. teams touchdown? Uh, you know, we've joked that Devin Hester began that Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. Devin Hester, who's up for the Hall of Fame nomination, by the way, is the most explosive, uh, successful kick and punt returner in NFL history. He began that Bears-Colts Super Bowl with a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, you're the probability guy, uh, Mr. Nuclear Engineer Joe Lisi. What was the probability, uh, I mean, my God, of the uh, college football BCS title game that year was Ohio State-Florida in the Fiesta Bowl? It began with Ted Ginn of Ohio State running the opening kickoff of the game back for a touchdown, and yet Florida went on to roll and win easily for the BCS title, beat them by like three or four touchdowns, blew them out. The Super Bowl then begins with a Devin Hester kickoff return for a touchdown. We got the college football title game and the Super Bowl beginning, opening kickoff touchdown, and the Colts controlled the game, and the Colts ended up winning by two touchdowns. So not only did they both begin – Best case scenario for the receiving team with a touchdown, they both lost decisively. What's the, I'm not asking you for the answer. I'm saying rhetorically, what's the probability of those two things going together? Wow. I would say about one in 1,000. And I didn't know that until you just told me. I'm just here to share uh, information, all kinds of information. So all those factors go into the soup. We'll see what happens. Uh, Will you be okay Sunday afternoon? Will you be a wreck? The Eagles have already got a Lombardi. They don't They don't have to have this for all time's sake like they got it six years ago. They hadn't had it 50 years plus when they got it a few years ago against the Patriots. Will you be all right? Do I need to check yeah. on you? Oh, yeah. Status? I'm, do I need to get you a paper bag for hyperventilation? What do I need to do? Call me Monday morning. See how I'm feeling. That's what you need to do. <laughs> With all these different plays. All right. Repeat it again. Uh, no one to get three touchdowns in a row, right? If three I'm scores right, in a row. Three scores in a row. Three scores of any kind. Neither team to get three scores in a row. Does not no include touchdowns. PATs. No touchdowns from the one yard line. We're Correct. counting on that. The formula says the the eighty to eighty five percent hitting formula says the Chiefs are your team on the mathematics to take the points with the Chiefs. Uh, largest and then you may lead be, under 14 and a half. Largest lead under fourteen and a half. Those are your prop bets. Joe Lisi, I always love the insight. Well done on Three Dog Thursday. Be safe getting to Vegas. I will check in with you. I won't bother you during the game, but I will check in with you. Good luck with the props and the plays. You're always the best to hang with me on these kind of interviews. Thank you, my friend, and for you, Fly Eagles Fly. You got it, E-A-G-L-E-S. So there we go. We've given you plenty on Super Bowl 57. I think in the end, the Chiefs will win. It'll be Mahomes' second. It'll be Andy Reid's second. Maybe it's a little anti-Philadelphia for me. Uh, again, there's no bigger uh, classless fan base than the Philadelphia sports fans and how they've acted and behaved against a litany of different opponents, whether it's in the NFC East or whether you were to talk NBA with the Boston Celtics or wanting to fight and brawl the New York Mets or on and on and on. Uh, and the fan base throwing D-cell batteries at opposing uh, players and trying to fist fight fans in the stands. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might root for the communist Chinese before I'm rooting for the Eagles, but in any event, uh, it will be probably a very entertaining game. I just think Kansas city will ultimately win. So obviously I would be interested despite what TC Martin was trying to ridicule with me, uh, earlier, I would be interested in the chiefs at plus one or plus one and a half. Give me that point. Give me that point and a half. Go ahead and take it, take them on the money line and don't even get better odds. If you want, uh, to be able to pair it up 
to partner it up. Uh, in any event, thanks to the guest, everybody that was with me, Ian Cameron, uh, love uh, Bobano on Twitter there, and uh, again, does a great job with all the different outlets that he's on, including uh, uh, talking some hockey and uh, and again, get some great knowledge previously on with me on BetUS TV, et cetera. T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show with me doing some handicapping on the Super Bowl. And then my guy, Joe Lisi, based here in the Tampa Bay area, a literal rocket scientist, nuclear engineer with a lot of different angles and a lot of different props, some interesting stuff, interesting formulas on the Super Bowl. We gave you a lot to consider and digest. And we even worked some college basketball in uh, earlier in the program, but the game's coming on Thursday. Again, Ian Cameron very much liking a Sunbelt game involving Arkansas State as an underdog. We were both liking that Conference USA game, UAB in a rematch with North Texas. Look out. Iowa getting a bunch of points um, against Purdue and maybe even a couple of other ones that would be interesting as well there for a Thursday. So some good stuff. Love all of this. Again, thank you for finding the show. Enjoy Super Bowl 57, and this show will rock on with the college hoops through the rest of February and all the way into March. We're not going anywhere with the handicapping. We love the underdogs as we head to the greatest month that there is, the month of March. We will stay here with you on Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe, follow Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, for now, though, we are done. Enjoy the game on Sunday, the madness and the mayhem of Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. We're back next week. On Three Dog Thursday, Wolf Wolf.